Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 111 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman, episode 111. Unfortunately, Ayaz couldn't be with me this week. Once again, he's been kept out of the show due to some personal issues outside of well, the ring or the studio or whatever you want to call it. But we are joined by Mariam, who is a lady that knows her boxing, really does know her boxing down to a T. So she is the replacement this week. Mariam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good. I am very, very good. Right, let's dive straight into part one. Part one, of course, being the review part of the show where we talk about the fights from last week. I'm going to start over in the Oberhausen in Germany. I've got no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm just going to get away with it because nobody's here to correct me, to be honest. Um, What I will say, Ryan Hatton on the undercard got a KO in round one. I mean, Ryan Hatton now moves to 2-0. and His opponent wasn't really up to much. A record of 14-22 and going in with one draw. Light work there for Ryan Hatton. Looked pretty good, but, I mean, you can't really take too much from that. It was what it was. Also on that bill, the main event, of course, for the vacant WBA world heavyweight title the regular version um this this i think once upon a time belonged to uh, to Luis Ortiz, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, um, Manny Char in one corner, Manuel Char 30 and four took on Alexander Ustinov 34 and one. Obviously, um, as far as I knew, I think Frank Warren had something to do with Ustinov, and I'm not quite sure what's gone on now because he, I don't think he was over there for it. But Box Nation picked it up at the very last minute, so I did watch the fight. Uh, the fight was, I mean. Whew, Put it this way: If if, if somebody tied me up and um, you know and, and wanted information out of me and just put that on, I think I'd probably tell them everything I knew. It was a real boring, boring fight. It really was, um, you know, very scrappy stuff from both guys. Uh, Manny Char, I don't even know how he even got in contention for fighting for a title. Ustinov touched down in round eight. He just tired after about three, four rounds. He really looked awful. Um, you know, Ustinov in some of his previous fights, has looked pretty good taking guys out, but here he just looked absolutely awful. Um, in that eighth round, by the way, it was a real peach of a left hook thrown by Manuel Char. It dropped Ustinov and it also gave him a nasty gash underneath the eye it seemed to be like right on me on the cheekbone but no a real great left hook Ustinov did pretty well to get up but ultimately he lost a unanimous decision over 12 rounds so believe it or not Manuel Char 31 and 4 now inside 35 fights he's the new regular WBA world heavyweight champion so I'm sure people will be chomping at the bit to fight him moving over now to the oh Let's let's just take a moment to try and pronounce this. This is at the Surinari Camp Stadium in a place called Nakhon Rachamiza, which is in Thailand. Um, 
One fight to mention on this bill, a guy called Chayafon Moonsri. He's actually 48-0. Well, he was 48-0. He's now 49-0. He manages to level out or, or draw or tie with the Rocky Marciano record, you know, 49-0. Um, he's, he's equaled that here, and he defended successfully his WBC World Minimum Weight World title. Um, this was against a guy called Tatsuya... Fukuhara, who was 19 and 5 with 6 draws, now 19 and 6 with 6 draws, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds there. Some people on Twitter I saw, I didn't actually watch the fight, but some people were saying it was quite a close fight, but I think looking at the scorecards it was quite wide, but anyway, if this guy's got any kind of chance of overtaking Mayweather's 50 and 0, I'm all for it. So all the very best to Chayafon Moonsri now 49 and 0. Moving over now to the Doncaster Dome in Doncaster, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This one was a Steffi Ball promotion card. There's a couple fights to mention on this one. Curtis Woodhouse, he moved to win number 24. He's got seven losses as well. It was a points win over six rounds against journeyman Lewis Van Poach, who's now 7-56 and with one draw. Uh, on the main event here, Maxi Hughes, 17-3 and with two draws, took on Danny Cassius Connor. Danny Cassius Connor's a man that, you know, I think I said it on last week's show, he's been kind of chasing a, a, a big fight, you know, just a fight of note for quite a while now, and he got it here. He's been really interacting with all all types of people on Twitter. I think he's turned into a little bit of a, a wind-up merchant sometimes. But anyways, I wanted him to do well, but unfortunately it wasn't to be for Danny Cassius Connor. He was down early in the second round. He was also down again in the fourth round, and his corner threw in the towel in that fourth round. So a TKO there for Maxi Hughes. He's now 18-3 and three with two draws. I think Danny Cassius Connor's going to take some time out. I think he's going to enjoy Christmas, and I'm sure he said something like, you know, he was going to just kind of take a step back just to kind of evaluate things and, uh, you know, make a decision on if he's going to continue with boxing or not. So all the very best to Danny Cassius Connor. He's, you know, he seems like a decent guy, so I wish him all the very best with whichever choice, uh, you know, whichever life choice he decides to come up with. All the very best to him. Moving over now to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. Um, one fight to mention on this bill, we talked about it just briefly last week, myself and Eddie Chambers, because Eddie Chambers took this guy on. Um, in one corner, Tabiso Machunu, 18-3, and three. he's the guy that beat Eddie Chambers when Eddie Chambers moved down to Cruiserweight a couple years back. Um, so yeah, Machunu took on a guy, he's a Southpaw, called Konstantin Bajenaru, who was 12-0, and 0. we didn't really know too much about him, I think he's from... Oh, he's, he's slipped me now, but he's from... I think he may be from Belarus or something like that. Anyway, we didn't know much about him, but he put Machunu down in round seven. We knew that he was the WBC Continental America's Cruiserweight Champion. We also knew that he was the WBC International Cruiserweight Champion, but ultimately he picked up a unanimous decision over 10 rounds and defended both of his belts successfully. He's now 13-0, and 0, so that may be a name to look out for there. Konstantin Bajenaru. Moving over now to the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York, New York City, United States. Um, really and truly, this was the bill of the weekend. It was shown on Sky. I think it started at 3 in the morning. We saw three high-level fights. I'm going to start with the Jason Sosa fight. And, you know, 
on, on on last week's show, I was saying that Yuriokis Gamboa was, you know, he was placed into that fight as a little bit of a late replacement. I think he maybe had about two to three weeks, somewhere in between of that. And I thought that for Jason Sosa to, you know, readjust to somebody like Gamboa, despite Gamboa being over the hill, not looking great for, you know, for a few years now, if we're being honest, um, you know, I, I did kind of think it was going to be a little bit difficult, a little bit of a harder task than some may have thought. Um, yeah, and it seemed to be that. I mean, I didn't quite agree with the final scorecards. But anyway, let's talk about the records going in. Jason Sosa, 20-2 and two with four draws. Yuriokis Gamboa, 27-2. and two. Um, Gamboa was actually down in round seven. And he also lost a point for holding in round 10 because he got really tired during the fight. Um, you know, the fight wasn't pretty. It was a little bit scrappy at times. Um, I really felt... I don't. Uh, in fact, I probably would go as far to say as I actually felt Sosa got robbed, and I don't say that when things were really close and it could have gone either way. I think it was a clear win for Sosa. Really, I think one of the scorecards in particular was really, really wide. It was just, just shocking. And actually, we, you know, we predicted this fight on last week's show. I said I thought that Sosa would win on points. The listeners went with Sosa to win by knockout in the end, and I, as who I don't even think really gave the fight much for. He actually said that Gamboa would win on points. And boy, oh boy, the luck strikes again for Ayers. He ended up picking up a point there on the Prediction League. But no, for me, I think that, um, you know, Sosa definitely won that fight. And unfortunately, you know, where does he really go from here? I think both guys just briefly missed the weight as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, um Really bad times there for that fight, um, and for Jason Sosa in particular. Gamboa kind of reignites his career a little bit. I suppose he'll probably get a big fight on the back of this undeserved win, but it is what it is. Um, Miriam, did you manage to catch any of this fight at all, Sosa and Gamboa? If so, what did you think of it? Yeah, yeah, I watched that one. I mean, I quite like Sosa. I think he's an exciting fighter. Obviously, he's not the best fighter. He's certainly not elite, in my opinion. But I think he's definitely a good fighter. He shows a lot of heart. I mean, we saw that in the Lomachenko fight. And I do think that he edged it in this one. I feel like he was more aggressive. He was more effective. And I felt like in the second half of this fight especially, you saw Gamboa kind of slow down a bit. I feel like he wasn't that effective. I mean, when you take that into account plus the knockdown, I feel like you really had no choice but to give it to Sosa. So, you know, to me it was, you know, I don't want to go so far as to call it a robbery, but I think it was an unfair decision. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, like I say, I think he probably won the fight. Um, you know, if if we don't even talk about the two ten eight rounds, because obviously there was a point mm-hmm. taken off in the tenth, and also the knockdown. Yeah. I think Sosa got the better of the fight anyway. So um, mm. I was pretty surprised to see a majority decision at the end of ten rounds in favour for Gamboa there. So uh, maybe if it was a twelve rounder, Sosa would have had a little bit more luck on his side. Also on this bill, Sullivan Barrera twenty and one took on Felix Valera fifteen and one. It started out as a really good fight. Both fighters were down in round one. You know, Sullivan Barrera's been down a few times. He touches the deck sometimes, gets up and wins. And ultimately, he did this. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Valera was also deducted one point for low blows in round three. Um, He was also deducted a point in round six and round eight. Barrera was deducted a point for low blows in round nine. So there was a lot of points being took off left, right and center. But, I mean... I don't know, this this fight, I mean, like I said, it started off okay, but I think there was a lot of, um, you know, times where either fighter kind of 
took their eye off the the ball a little bit. I think it took their eye off what was going on, and like I say, it did get a little bit scrappy. It did get a little bit silly. The referee was probably a little bit harsh on Valera. I felt. Um, and I think that the scorecards were probably a little bit wider than what I would have had it. But like I say, it was quite hard to score with all the points being took off here, there and everywhere. But anyways, Sullivan Barrera marches on. He's now 21-1. and one. He is really, he's quite a contender, I suppose, at light heavyweight. I'd like to see him in against some of the bigger names. But credit to Felix Valera. He put a decent performance in there, but it wasn't meant to be for him. He's now 15-2. and two. Again, he's only lost to good fighters, so I'm sure he can you know, bounce back in some kind of good fight, hopefully not too far down the line. And now the main event, the return of the crusher, Sergei Kovalev, 30-2 and two with one draw going in against Vacheslav Shabransky, 19-1. and one. That one loss coming to Sullivan Barrera, who we just talked about there. The vacant IBA light heavyweight title was on the line, and also the vacant WBO world light heavyweight title was on the line as well. So two belts there, one of course being recognized as one of the four major governing body belts. Um... How can I talk about this? I mean, for me, I've always kind of thought that to be the man, you've got to beat the man. I think that Andre Ward, you know, he clearly showed that he was the man until he decided to hang up the gloves. So I think I've kind of given the title back, like the, I don't know what you'd call it, the kind of inverted commas title, if you like, the real champion. I've kind of given that status now back to Kovalev. That may be controversial, but that's the way I see it. And I think that, um, for me, I mean, I think he... You know, he's probably the man, and he got in there against Shabransky. I thought that Shabransky may be able to give him a few rounds, especially Kovalev coming off of two losses, not really looking good. Some people saying, you know, he's he doesn't like it to the body. Some people saying that he's got old all of a sudden, but he really kind of showed us, you know, what he can be about when he's, you know, when he's completely and 100% focused on the job. He really is a bit of a wrecking ball. He's obviously linked up with a new trainer now. It was going to be interesting to see how that would go, but we didn't really get to see too much of that because there was only, you know, one one minute break between the two rounds. It only went two rounds. It was a TKO in round two, and it was a little bit of a flashback of, you know, of the kind of Kovalev that we're used Mm -hmm. to seeing, really, from a few years ago. But to me, he looked very good, and once again, he proved to me, anyway, that he is the man at 175 what did you think of that fight Miriam great fight I agree I mean I love Kovalev I think that you know from the beginning when he really stepped out onto the American scene I feel like he's just shown repeatedly that he has you know he has the ability he has the power to be at that elite level um at light heavyweight and I feel like you know he's had a bit of an unfair unfair sweep of luck I guess you could say with the past two fights um, obviously, the first fight, as we all know, was, you know, a robbery. Well, in my opinion, it was definitely a robbery. And I know that 80% of the boxing community agree. And obviously, in the second fight, that had its own complications, you know, despite Andre Ward's good performance. And I feel that, you know, for a lot of people to discredit Kovalev coming into this fight, you know, saying, oh, he's passed it. You know, he was exposed with these fights. You know, he's not elite. I think that that was just proven to be bull, really. You know, I he showed that he's got the power. He showed he's got that skill. The fact that he took a guy like Shabransky out. Obviously, Shabransky wasn't undefeated. But, you know, people spoke about him as one of the next, you know, one of the next things at light heavyweight. So, you know, I think the fact that Kovalev showed what he was capable of with on, within only two rounds, you know, I think that just means that, you know, his next step has to be, I mean, in an ideal world, we'd all love it to be Stevenson, even though, you know, the chances of that happening are next to nothing. But, you know, I think that he's shown that he is at that top level. And, you know, I know that the belts say differently because obviously Stevenson is currently holding that WBC belt hostage. 
But, you know, if he was to get there, and I definitely think that he would beat Stevenson if that fight was to happen, just for clarification, I think that he would beat Stevenson. And I think he cements his, his reign at the top of that division, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it was a little bit of a um, a typical kind of Kovalev performance. He came back with a bang. He steamrolled Chabrinsky, mm. really. There was actually some good odds for a knockout in the first three rounds. I, I wasn't too sure it was going to end that quickly, but, you know, I wish I jumped on those odds now. But no, you mm. know, typical Kovalev performance. Looked as good as ever, really. And, you know, if, if, if Andre Ward remains retired, I think he's the best at 175. Um, you know, when you think about some of these names, I was, I was, I was listening to, you know, someone talk boxing the other day and they were kind of reeling off all these names at 175. There's so many good fighters at 175. It's it's really a division that I feel sometimes gets neglected. You've got the likes of, obviously at the very top of the tree, you've got the likes of, um, you know, Kovalev, Stevenson, as you mentioned. You've got Gavozdik, you've got Bivol coming through now. You've got, um, you know, Sullivan Jack. Barrera's there. Go on. Badu Jack. Badu Jack's there again, someone obviously, I'm really I'm excited true, to see. But... Yeah, a lot of yeah. people, you know, they've got quite high hopes for him, given, you know, what he's achieved so far. Yeah, you've got... Um... Baterbiev, yep. I was just thinking of him. You got him. Um, I know that these guys are a little bit long in the tooth, but also you've got the likes of um, I think Lucian Boutet's up there now. Mm. I think he's there. I know he's a little bit. He's a little bit past it, but you've yeah. also got Jean Pascal's there. You know, these are real, real tests for for guys like you know some of the, some of the emerging guys coming through, like Alida Alvarez. He's there. I mean, he's mm. he's looking for a big fight. Obviously, I'd like to see Anthony Yard in some of these fights at one point, but um, they're all just brilliant, brilliant names. But yeah, Badu mm. Jack. You know, he may he may prove to be the best of the lot. There's so many good fights that can be made. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited for it, really. So yeah. it really is a thrilling division. So right, just, anyways. Hold on. on. So who go do you on. want to see Kovalev fight next? Well. Um, in an ideal world. I think they're talking about the, the Barrera fight, but in an ideal world, it's got to be Stevenson, hasn't it? I think he's the closest to the top, despite mm. what you may think about him. But then again, I'm also hearing that the fight is all but done between Badu Jack and Stevenson for some time in January. Really? So maybe yeah, that's, that's that's a little little bit of a rumor there, yeah. Right, because I had a rumor about Stevenson and Alvarez, which I thought was a cop out on Stevenson's half, but um, I'd be more looking forward to that Badu Jack fight. I think that's quite a that's a good fight if obviously the Kovalev fight doesn't happen. Yeah, because I'm sure that he had to pay Alvarez some step aside money so that he could defend his title last time against um, who did he defend it against? I can't even remember now. Oh, it I'm was sure. uh, was it Fonfara? It, yeah, I think it was from that far, was his yeah, last fight. I think time. Stevenson's yeah. last fight. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure he had to pay Alvarez some step aside money for that. So I don't think he wants to run to that. I think I think Alvarez gives him a lot of issues. Really, I think Alvarez mm-hmm. is quite good, but yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of fights. But yeah, I think you know, aside from. I mean, even Badu Jack and, and, and Kovalev mm. would be a good fight. I mean, you can mix these guys around in any way, and it's you know it makes for some brilliant matches. But yeah, leaving that card alone, moving over now to Monday of this week. That was, of course, Monday the 27th of November. There was a couple of fights to mention that happened in Europe. Moving over to Russia, there was a heavyweight clash. A guy called Sergei Kuzmin. 
I've never heard of him, but he's 11 and 0. He was fighting for the vacant WBC international heavyweight title against. Um, well, I suppose it's, it's tricky because I always go to say he's a veteran, but really he's only had 26 fights. Amir Mansour. Anyway, Amir Mansour at the ripe age of 45 got in there. It was a 12 rounder, and it ended up being a draw. Like I say, I didn't see the fight. I don't think many people did, but um, you know, just just one little one little fight to mention there. Amir Mansour. That's his second draw now. He's 23 and two with two draws. The WBC international heavyweight title remains vacant, and Sergei Kuzmin picks up his first career minor blemish. He's 11 and 0. He's still undefeated, but he's got the one draw. Now moving over to the final bill to mention from last week. Or, or this week, we should say, but you know what I mean. At the Grange at St. Paul's Hotel in the city of London, London, United Kingdom. couple fights to mention on this bill. It was a Frank Warren show. Um, it was, you know, under the radar a little bit here. Just a couple of fights on the bill in total. Lerone Richards, the sniper, he moved to 10-0. and He picked up the vacant WBO European super middleweight title against a guy called Reese Pagan, who was 14-4, and now 14-5. and A points win there for Lerone Richards over 10. And the brother of of Charlie Edwards, his his younger brother Sonny Edwards, he moved to six and zero, and he also picked up the vacant WBO European Super Flyweight title. So, so two WBO European titles on the line on that show. Both were vacant, and both were won by the home fighter. So, all the very best there to Sonny Edwards. I'm pleased for him. It looks like he's moved up to Super Flyweight now. So. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm a little bit surprised by that. I think that's the same weight class as Charlie Edwards. So both brothers at the same weight there. And by the way, Sonny Edwards defeated the previously undefeated Ross Murray, who was six and zero. And Sonny Edwards sometimes he, you know, he gets knocked a little bit for not really having the power. Well, he recorded TKO in round four. So all the very best to Sonny Edwards. He's a good guy. Anyway, that's it for the reviewing. Before we end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF featherweight world champion, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, my friend. It's always a pleasure. So, Lee, I'm going to open up this interview with a couple of facts about your career. I actually tweeted these the other day. The whole thing ended up being retweeted and liked loads of times. So what I basically wrote was the story of Lee Selby's career. Of course, you've only lost the one fight. It was a four-rounder eight and a half years ago. Since then, you've won the Welsh area title, the Celtic title, the British title, the Commonwealth title, and the European title, all by knockout. You've taken the undefeated records, of course, of Stephen Smith, we all know him very well. Viriel Simeon, who just gave Scott Quigg a hard fight. Corey McConnell, Ryan Walsh, Joel Brunker, and of course, Evgeny Gradovich, in which you took his world title. Since then, you've defended yeah. your, your, your title three times successfully. You're currently the fourth longest reigning Welsh world champion in history, just behind Joe Calzaghi, Jimmy Wilde, and Freddie Welsh. All I can say is, wow, my friend, congrats. Thank you. You missed a few out. I won, I won the, um, the WBC international title twice as well beating two champions. They were both champions at the time, took their titles. And I also won box and won in two, two eliminators for the world title. Hey. So it's pretty, a pretty impressive resume for such a short amount of fights, little amount of fights. 
unbelievable stuff. When I posted it up, a lot of people were saying he's the best British boxer right now. He just doesn't get the credit, you know. It's uh, it's amazing yeah. stats, my friend. It's amazing stats. So Lee, we last spoke the week before your last fight against Jonathan Barros. I remember at the time we yeah. had Mikey Garcia on the show. He gave a little bit of advice. Yeah. He said to you, you know, that you could um. You could probably outbox this guy, but he was no easy foe. However, when you got in there, you did make him look a little bit like an easy foe. You, of course, dropped him in the 12th round. How did you assess that performance? I thought, I thought it was a decent performance, you know, um, against a, a good champion, a former world a former world champion, a good fighter, very experienced guy. Been in there with the best and only been beat by the best. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a decent display. Um, box, box well under orders, behind the jab. Scored the knockdown. Really should have pressed on a little bit sooner and got the stoppage. But you know, it was in the last round the bell went. But uh, over, overall, it was a, it was a good fight, a good good leading fight, and another win. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, obviously, a couple of days before the fight, some shocking news broke. Um, your mother sadly passed away. Very sadly passed away. Yeah. Many people, including myself, were quite surprised that you even went through with the fight because, as we all know, boxing is such a mental task. It's, you know, it's, you've yeah. got to have some serious mental toughness, and you showed that. Um, how difficult was it to almost kind of put your feelings on hold for the duration of the fight and focus on the task? At well, hand? it was very difficult. You know, I, I got the call early. I was on. It must have been the Wednesday morning, early hours Thursday morning. Um, my, my my brother and my my sister on the phone crying. I gotta come home. I can't fight. Give me the bad news. But um, after that call, and I just switched off my phone. My team come in the morning saying if, if, if we respect your decision, what do you want to do? If you don't want to fight, we'll um we we'll understand that. I just said, listen, just don't mention it again. Don't want to hear nothing about it until we get home. So I blocked, blanked up my up my system. Got got the do, the job done and then grieved afterwards. Yeah, I mean, like I say, you really demonstrated some mental toughness there. It was, uh, you know, especially in a in a fight of that magnitude as well. I mean, a lot of people couldn't, you know, wouldn't have been able to do that. And with your mum, Lee, was, was she ill for a while? What actually happened, if you don't mind me asking? She she wasn't ill at all. Still, oh, really? no no like clear explanation of why she's there. Well, like I say, may she rest in peace, my friend. I know that there's never there's never a good time, you know, to to pass away. But I'm I'm glad at least that she got to see her son become champion of the world. Oh, one son. Following that, my my granddad passed away, and like oh, about Jesus. ten days later. Oh, so boy. Been a good boy, oh boy. So anyways, moving on to some positive stuff. Your next fight will be shown on Box Nation and BT Sports. You've yeah. signed some kind of some kind of deal with Frank Warren. Are you able to tell us, you know, the the aspects of this deal, what kind of deal it is, if it's a fight by fight um, thing or what? Doing this fight this fight next next month and um you know, my, my management team the Santa guys are in, in talks negotiating with with Frank Warren. Okay. Okay. And you'll be defending your world title against Eduardo Ramirez on December the 9th at the Copper Box. Have you been to the Copper Box before, Lee? I've never been there before, no. I've never watched a fight there. I've never boxed there. Yes. So it's a new, new for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice venue. It's, there's there's not yeah. really a bad seat in the house, very modern. I quite like the place. But anyway, your yeah. your opponent, Eduardo Ramirez, what do you know about yeah. him? Obviously, he's another undefeated fighter. His record's 20-0 yeah. with three draws. It's, it seems likely you've took on quite a few guys recently who haven't really got the big name, but they come with a massive threat level. Yeah, 
Like I said, they're, they're, they're all good fighters. Um, th- this guy, Ramirez, he, he's unbeaten. He comes from a good stable. I, I've boxed Fernando Montiel. He's, he's in the same gym, so so they sort of know me. And, um, yeah, he, he's unbeaten. He's rarely unknown. He's ranked highly by the IBF. And, yeah, he's a Mexican fighter. Come forward. He can box a bit, southpaw. So he's young, hungry. And it, sh- it should be a good fight. Yeah, it sounds like it will be. And how important will it be, Lee, to get this win? I know that obviously getting the win's always vital, but just to close out the year on a high, obviously it's been a bad luck year for you, really, with the fight yeah. falling through in Las Vegas, your mum yeah. there, your, your your grandfather as well, as you mentioned. Yeah, well, I've, ne- I've never had no luck in, in anything. Boxing, my career, life in general, no, 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 no like, true solid luck. But um, I just stay focused. It'd be nice to get another... Another win now before the end of the year, and then go into 2018 with with the hopes of it being being the, the biggest year of my career. Providing mm-hmm. I get through this now next month, I, I got a big fight with Josh Warrington early next year, and then we could maybe do the the Frampton fight. He's also with Frank Warren, and then look look towards a unification fight towards the end of the year. Yeah, because two weeks ago we had Oscar Valdez on the show, and he said that. Well, I asked him this question. I basically said to him, out of all the Brits, who would you rather fight? And he said he would much prefer to fight you. Um, I mean, yeah. he, call, he called you out in probably the the most politest way I've ever seen anybody, anybody call anyone out. Yeah. But he basically said it's simply because you got a title, but he did go on to say yeah. that he thinks that he's got more chance ending up with a Carl Frampton fight than yourself. I'm not quite sure why. But anyways, have you got your eyes set on Oscar at all? I'm I'm happy to fight, providing they get through those those fights I just mentioned. I'm happy to fight any champion. You know I've I've sparred quite a few rounds with with Oscar Valdez. We had some great sparring, great work, and um yeah it 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 makes for a very very good and entertaining fight between us two. Yeah, that certainly certainly would be a good fight. And also I like to ask about your brother. Every time I speak to him, I like to ask him about you. What's next for Andrew? Um I'm I'm not too sure. I know he's he's won. Um, a couple of eliminators, WBC World Title eliminators, in his last two fights. So he, he's knocking on the door for for a World Title fight. I think. No, no rumored date at all at the moment. Date at the moment. And like to be honest, he talked like the last one a, a a lot worse than I have. Yeah. So he he's, he's still grieving the loss of our mother, and um, hopefully he can get back on it now next. Next next year, I'm going to fight early, early part of next year. Yeah, God willing. Bless him. All right, and uh, just before I let you go, Lee, any kind of message that you want to send out to anybody that may be listening at all? Take it away. Just um, just, just thank you to all the fans for, for, the, for their continued support and following me. And I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping to bring you, bring you those big fights in 2018. Absolutely. Okay, Lee, listen, it's always a pleasure speaking with, with you, my Thank friend. You. you know that. Best of luck for December 9th, and we'll catch up sometime Thank after, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But just before we get into that, we want to talk about the latest news. Um, usually, Aya sends me a list of the news, so I'm just going to try my best to remember what's kind of gone on in the last couple of days. Off the top of my head... Uh, Jeff Horn's fight against our very own Gary Corcoran will be shown live on Box Nation. That one is going to be on the 
I think it's the oh my god, is it? The, I think it's the thirteenth of December that one. I think it's Wednesday. It's this. It's the same night as the Katie Taylor fight, which is going to be at York Hall. But yeah, it's obviously over in Australia. So um, yeah, that's going to be on Box Nation. I expected that to happen. Also, Tyson Fury has signed a promotional contract with MTK Global, also known as um, Mac the Knife Global, formerly MGM Marbella, Matthew Macklin's outfit. Um, I'm not quite sure, actually, if it is a promotional contract. I think it's some kind of advisory thing, but, um, you know, it's pretty hard these days to kind of tell the difference between those two things. But if it means that Tyson Fury is going to be back in the ring sooner, then, um, you know, I'm all for that, of course. Um, you know, we all want to see the big man back in the ring. Um, Mariam, have you got any any topics or anything that I may have left out that's just kind of arised in the last couple of days that's, that's interesting at all to mention? Um, no, you probably talked about it in the last podcast, but obviously the news that Hey Value has been postponed. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's just <laughs> a bummer for all boxing fans. But obviously, the Tyson Fury news, you know, looking that he's making steps towards getting back in the ring, that's obviously good boxing news for every fan out there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that really pretty much is it. I mean, when I as is on, he reels off the news like I mean, I call him the Trevor McDonald of boxing. <laughs> I don't think he likes that name, but he he's got it all. But I just I just don't. So um, yeah, that's that's all the news. That's a little piece of news that we've got for you. Moving over now to the previewing. There's a fight later on today, which is happening at the Prince Regent Hotel in Chigwell, Essex. This is an Andy Alien from Wham Boxing Show. Um, one fight to mention on the bill, Harley Ben, he's 2-0, and he's in a four-rounder, his opponent yet to be announced, I've just thought we'd throw that out there, of course, Harley Ben, um, son of Nigel Ben, and half-brother to Connor Ben, unbelievably, Connor Ben and Harley Ben are only four days apart, their birthdays were only four days apart, and yeah, they were born four days apart, so, um, Nigel Ben been a little bit naughty there if you'd if you'd if you'd assume moving over now to germany we're going to talk about one fight on this bill which is pretty shocking and i'm i'm going to i'm going to explain why ashley fearfane's in one corner his record 40 and 8 with one draw he takes on a guy called pata varduashvili I am probably saying that awfully wrong. But anyway, the shocking part of this is it's a 10-rounder. It's for the vacant German international super welterweight title. I had no idea that Ashley Fierfein was part German. I I actually asked him on WhatsApp a couple of days ago, you know, since when have you been part German? He never got back to me. He's read it as well. So I think he might be blagging that one. But anyway, he's fighting for a piece of silverware. I'm all for that. And the man in the other corner, his record's 32 and 14 with two draws. Um, of his 14 losses, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's been stopped 12 times. So I'm expecting a relatively easy win here for Ashley Fierfein. He will become the German international super welterweight champion, hopefully this time next week. That's a 10-rounder that is happening in Brandenburg in Germany. Brandenburg. So all the very best to Fierfein. Moving over now to another part of Germany. Nope, it's the same part of Germany. It's in Brandenburg. It's in a, it's in a different arena. It's at the MBS Arena. 
Um, one fight to mention on here, heavyweight prospect Otto Wallin. He's not actually German, he's Swedish. But anyway, he's 18-0. and 0. He's in against a guy who's 8-3 called Gabriel Njuma. So all the very best to Otto Wallin. I want to see him in some big fights. I need to see him tested, really, because he's highly ranked, I think, with one or two of the sanctioning bodies. Anyway, all the very best to Otto Wallin. Moving over now to Moscow, Russia. The return of former world champion, a man that we've had on this show who, you know, it was really interesting actually getting him on because I remember when he came on, he barely spoke any English, but he tried his best. It was a great, great show, that one. We had two guys on. I think it might have been... It might have been a Christmas special or something like that, but I think it may have been last year sometime. And we got two guys on that barely spoke English, and at the time those guys were Hassan and Dam, of course, the French, um, the French former world champion, and this guy David Avanesian. I remember seeing him last. I think he he lost to Lamont Peterson, didn't he? And also he uh, he fought Shay Mosley and beat Shay Mosley. But I like David Avanesian. He returns to the ring in Russia. His record twenty two and two with one draw. He's in a 12-rounder against a guy called Alexei Evchenko, who sounds like a real tough guy and possibly a good fighter, but his record is 15-10 and 10 with one draw. All the very best to David Avanesi, and I'd like to see him back. He's a really fiercely underrated fighter, I feel. A lot of people say he's very basic. I think that he's pretty good, David Avanesi. And, um, I think he's also been sparring with... Um, He's been sparring with Gary Corcoran in the preparation for Corcoran's fight that we mentioned. It's going to be on Box Nation against Jeff Horn for the WBO welterweight world title, December 13th. Moving over now to the Brentwood Centre in Brentwood, Essex. Uh, who's on this bill? Who's on this bill? I think this one's going to be shown, if I'm not mistaken, on IFL TV. Um, there's one fight to mention. David Price, 21-4. and four. He's in a six-rounder against Camille Sokolowski. Now, Camille Sokolowski, I think he's a lot better than his record suggests. His record's 4-11 and 11 with two draws. If I'm not mistaken, I think he got a couple of good wins recently. I'm sure he just beat um, a British prospect. I'm not going to click on his record, but I think it might have been Sean Turner or someone like that. But anyways, Camille Sokolowski's quite a tough guy. It's a six-rounder, like I say, so I think that probably suits David Price. I don't think he's... You know, really got the gas tank for the later rounds. But, you know, I'm looking at him on the pads this week. David Price looks really, really good on the pads, by the way. But that's just pads. And he looks really lean, really, really trim. But I'd like to see him back to... um to some kind of decently high level. I like David Price. He's a nice guy, but, you know, nice guys don't necessarily go far in boxing. Um, you need a lot more than just being a nice guy, of course. David Price, 21-4. and four. All the very best to him in the Brentwood Centre. Moving over now to Leicester Arena in Leicester, United Kingdom. One or two fights to me. In fact, three fights. In fact, I'm going to give it four fights on this bill. The return of Chantel Cameron. She fought a few weeks ago on Channel 5. This one's on Channel 5 as well. It's for the vacant IBO World Female Lightweight title. She takes on a girl called Vivian Obanalf, who is 12 and 3. That's 10 two-minute rounds there. All the very best to Chantel Cameron. Also on on that bill, Jermaine Smile, 14 and 6 with two draws. He's in a 10 rounder against undefeated Lennox Clark, 15 and 0 with one draw. That's a step up there for Clark. That should be a good fight. That one's for the vacant IBO Continental Super Middleweight title. Also on that bill, Luke the Duke Watkins, of course, the man trained by Paddy Fitzpatrick. He looked 
pretty good in his last fight, I suppose, at York Hall. Um, I can't remember the guy he fought now. I think he was unbeaten as well. So I do I do quite like Luke Watkins. He is a good fighter. He's got a fan-friendly style. He puts his Commonwealth Cruiserweight title on the line against Mike Stafford. That's a step up again there for Luke Watkins. Mike Stafford, 16-3. and three. That should be a decent fight. Again, this card will be shown on Channel 5. It's a, it's a Cyclones promotion bill. Um... And the main event, Anthony Yidget, 20-0 and 0 with one draw. He comes over to the UK again. I think last time he came here, he might have had a fight since, but, but I think the last time he came here, he, he beat Lenny Dawes. Anyway, here he takes on Joe Hughes, who's 15-2 and 2 with one draw. It's for the EBU Super Lightweight title. Of course, the European Super Lightweight title, the proper European belt. Anthony Yidget, a really, really good fighter. His record, as I said, 20-0 and 0 with one draw. I'd like to see him moved on a little bit, I suppose. Yidget's a guy that I'm quite high on. Moving over now to Madison Square Garden, New York, USA. This is a Golden Boy Promotions card it's going to be shown on hbo in the u.s i think it i think it's box nation is it box nation mariam i believe so not 100 sure it though it's caught you off guard a little bit yeah. I think it is. um who's on this bill we've got zachariah choa i remember he last got beat by that guy eves ulysse or whatever his name is but anyway a quite a good guy he is 17 and one he takes on eric Martinez, who's 14 and 10 with one draw. Jason Quigley's on this bill. His opponent yet to be announced. It's only an eight rounder, but I want to see Quigley pushed on. He's a guy that I have got a lot of time for. He's a really nice guy. 13 and oh, that's the, the Irish fighter who is, you know, living in the States. Um, also on this bill, we have Ray Vargas, the WBC World Super Bantamweight Champion. If you can remember back to his fight with Gavin McDonnell, he really showed out there in Doncaster. So, um, yeah, Ray Vargas is a good fighter, 30-0. He takes on a guy called Oscar Negretti, who is 17-0. Two undefeated fighters there. Somebody's O-must-go. Combined record, 47-0. That should be pretty good, but I don't know nothing about Negretti. I just know that Vargas is a bit of a nightmare to fight. He's very big for the weight as well. And the final fight, so we're led to believe, tops the bill here for Miguel Cotto, 41-5. and He puts his WBO World Super Welterweight title on the line against Saddam Ali. Obviously, Saddam Ali's one loss, he's 25-1, and but his one loss, he was stopped. Um... I forgot who he was stopped by now. Jesse you might Vargas. have to help me out. Jesse Vargas. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Vargas, not really known as a big puncher, but that was a bit of a shock upset there for Saddam Ali. And, of course, Jesse Vargas since then went on to rule the world for a little bit. Um, you know, Saddam Ali's quite a good fighter. I mean, a lot of people a lot of people are saying that... I mean, a lot of people writing him off, I suppose. Um one thing I know that he's obviously moving up in weight for it. Cotto's not really the biggest 154. But I think it is a slightly closer fight than some people are saying. I think it is a slightly closer fight, in my honest opinion. Really? What's your f- yeah, I do, I do. What's your thoughts on it? I mean, again, I mean, I've said this about nearly every box that we've spoken about, but Cotto is genuinely one of my favourite fighters. You know, I've loved him since, you know, his old school days. And it's just such a shame, I think, I think... You know, he's fighting Saddam Ali, and I know you think it's going to be closer than many people think, but I just think what a way to go out, you know, what a way to go out. I know that, you know, no one's expecting him to go and fight the Charlos at 154 or anything, but the fact that you're going to Saddam Ali, I think, is just, you know, such a cop-out, and I hate to say that about one of my, you know, favourite boxing heroes, 
But um, I don't see the fight panning out that greatly. I think it'll probably be, you know, a majority decision, a unanimous decision. But, you know, I just, I, I don't see the point of it. You know, I, I don't see what it proves for Cotto. I don't, you know, what can he go out and say that, you know, this is my last fight. I've gone there, you know, you know, you know, I beat Saddam Ali. I just, I just can't see the logic behind it. I'm sorry. I mean, this is just a fight that I'm so passionately against. Yeah, I mean, you know, Saddam Ali, like I say, I mean, the real jump-out name on his resume, I suppose you'd have to say, is Jesse Vargas. And he was knocked out by him. Yeah, he was knocked out in round nine. Um, You know, since then, he's fought fought three fights. He's he's won won them all, but, I mean, he hasn't really fought anybody who's, like, a super name. This is obviously a real step-up in class. Um, It's a bit of an anticlimax to, you know, end of a career, I suppose, for Miguel Cotto, but... Would it really be his last fight? I suppose we'll have to, you know, that 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 remains to be seen. I think it probably depends on how he performs in this fight. But no, I think I think it's a unanimous decision win for for Cotto. I really mm-hmm. do. I don't think he stops. Um, I don't think he stops the yeah. really. I think you've got to go back a couple of years since Miguel Cotto's last proper stoppage as well. So mm. we've actually asked this question on Twitter. How do the listeners see it? And the listeners have gone with Cotto to win by knockout. I think he yeah. wins on points. I'll have to get Ayaz's, um prediction as well because there's only there's only one fight really that was big enough to kind of warrant the uh, the prediction league to, mm-hmm. to give the predictions on but just for the just for the record anyway you're going with Cotto to win this unanimously yeah definitely I don't see a knockout I mean Saddam Ali is obviously quite a bit younger than Cotto you know I think he'll he'll still have you know the factors of speed and age on his side but you know I, I don't see a knockout happening it probably will just go to a decision yeah eight years between them both but no mm-hmm. I think um you know it's if anything, it is a big, a big chance, I suppose, for Saddam Ali to, you know, to upset the apple cart, I suppose, and you know, kind of put his name back in it. Because I remember at one stage he was, you know, being highly touted as like yeah. the next best thing, and then when he lost too. that fight, he, uh, you know, he kind of ruined it for himself. But this is his second chance. Some people don't get a second chance, but he's got it here. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a better fight than than some people are giving, you know, giving it. And, and I think it probably will be. Hopefully, it is pretty interesting. But anyway, the record's 41 and 5, Miguel Cotto, 21, sorry, 25 and 1, Saddam Ali. All the very best to both men. May the best man win. There's not too much really to go over this weekend. The previewing has kind of gone quite quickly. And now moving over to next Wednesday, of course. And we will talk about the result on next week's show. So next Wednesday, which is Wednesday, the 6th of December. In the well, actually, it's actually happening in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. One fight to mention over here former foe of Tony Bellew, Ilunga Makabu, 21 and 2, takes on a guy called Olan Rawaju Duradola, who's 27 and 4. That one's for the vacant WBC Silver Cruiserweight title. So both men there get a chance really to pick up a decent belt. I suppose the, the WBC Silver titles are, you know, it comes with a bit of a status, really, that belt, to be honest. Of all the kind of regional and silver belts, that one probably is the best out of the lot. So one guy there will get the chance. Well, both guys have got the chance, but one guy there will emerge the victor and will be crowned as the new champion. And hopefully, will find themselves in some kind of big fight down the line at Cruiserweight. Of course, with this, you know, the World Boxing Super Series tournament going on, it's really kind of been um, harder, really, for the for the guys that aren't champions to, to get a bit of spotlight. So hopefully this 
this this sheds a bit of spotlight on one of these guys, whoever wins. All the very best to both men. And that really wraps up the previewing. We've kind of whizzed through that. Like I say, there's not too much on this week. There's not too much on just the one card, really, the one big one, the Cotto fight. Will it be his last fight? Hopefully so. Anyways, that wraps up the previewing. We've done the news. We've done the reviewing. We brought you the first world champion, of course, the reigning IBF featherweight world champion. It's now time to speak to a man that has been a world champion a couple of times. He's a fighter that some people have forgotten, but listen, he was back with a bang last week, and we will now bring in guest number two, the former two-weight world champion, Mr. Devon Alexander. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-weight world champion. He's known as Alexander the Greatest, of course, Mr. Devon Alexander. Devon, welcome to the show, my man. Oh, thanks for having me, Joey. Hey, it's my pleasure, Devin. It's my pleasure. So, Devin, I really just want to briefly um, just get in our virtual time machine just to go back in time just a little bit to your amateur days. Now, I know that you had a great amateur career. I reminded myself recently you had, you know, you had 300 wins and just 10 losses, which is incredible. In the amateurs, I want to ask you, Devin, what is your best memory just before we move on to your professional career? Well, for my amateur career, uh, my best memory would be me winning the civil my I went to I went to my first national tournament, which was the Civil Gloves. So it's a national civil gloves tournament and I was uh, ten years old. Nine or ten, most likely ten if I'm not mistaken. But I won my first um national title and it's the best feeling in the world. And I received my first little bitty amateur belt and I thought I was on top of the world. You know, no more Nobody can tell me nothing, and I, I, I went back four years in a row, and I won four more times, so the, the, the first time I won that was the best, fondest memory I had when I was amateur. Yeah, um, I had a lot of, I had plenty of, you know, highlights of my amateur career, which is uh, me winning the GM of the Nationals when I first went when I was 15 years old, uh, me traveling overseas. Um, doing duels, uh, me uh, winning outstanding boxer at the at the Powell National Championships. I mean, just a bunch of um, good memories. But the, the one that stands out is me winning my first national title. Excellent stuff, man. Excellent stuff. Like I say, you've had such an amazing amateur career. But now, moving on to your pro career, obviously you turned pro in, in 2004. I'm just going to jump forward to, to 2009. Between uh, those times, obviously, you got a good win over Demarcus Corley, that I should mention also. Um, yeah, in, in 2009, though, of course, your first world title shot came. It was against Britain's very own junior Witter. We still haven't forgiven you for what, for what went down that night, Devon. Talk us through your memory of that fight. Well, um, when, when when they first announced the fight that I'll be fighting for my first world title, it was the best film in the world because the belt that I was fighting for was the belt that I said I wanted when I first came to the boxing gym when I was seven years old. When I when I it was a Zuma Nelson. My coach Kevin had a picture of Zuma Nelson on the wall, and I pointed to it when I went to the gym. I said I wanted that belt which was the WBC belt. It was a green belt. I, I used to call it the green belt. I didn't know what the uh, WBC meant. Or you, I used to say that. I used to say I wanted the green belt. And um, it's amazing that that was the first belt I won. And, you know, when the fight came around and, 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 it, fought, and it finally was about to happen, the best one in the world. 
you know, uh, I dedicated that fight to my dad because, you know, uh, before he, before he died, I, I wasn't able to uh, make it to the Olympics. So I told him I was going to definitely win a world title for him, and that's what I did. Yes, it's, it's great to hear that. You know, there's so many, uh, you know, emotional victories, if you like, in, in boxing. It's great to, to hear that you've got one. Um, obviously, you know, that fight made you the WBC World Super Lightweight Champion. In your first defense, you went straight for a unification. You took on the IBF champion, Juan Urango, in which you beat him. You took his title and became the first man to stop him. He was a really tough guy until he until he got in the ring with you that night. And that really just put the cherry on the cake for you, I suppose. Obviously, um, well, I'm going to let you talk on that fight if you want to add anything before I move on. Well, yeah, um, you know, ever since I've been a professional, I wanted to elevate my game to a, a point where people know I was the real deal, and I didn't want to shy away from a challenge. The challenge was brought to me and my team, and I said, would you like to do unification with Juan Urango? Um, I said, absolutely, absolutely, that's what I want to do, and um, the, 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 the opportunity presented itself, and we took advantage of it. Um, you know, uh, I felt that was the right fight at the right time. Um, I was ready for it. Um, I had my first world title and it would have been, a, it, it was going to be a big night for me if I was become unification or unified champion of the world. And that's what I did. It was an ama- amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah, that was a truly fantastic win at the time. Now, obviously, next time out, you got a win over Katelnik over 12 rounds. You then took on Timothy Bradley. Timothy put his WBO world title on the line. You put the WBC world title on the line. The fight was close. It was obviously stopped in the 10th round because of a headbutt. On closer inspection, it looked a little bit like it was closer to your temple than your eye, which most people thought at first. What actually happened there, Devin? You probably have got the best account of what went down in the ring that night. Well, um, the night of the fight, you can uh, clearly see that he he had three three weapons in there. He had his, two of his hands in his head. So he had three and I had two weapons. And um, one of the weapons he had was a, he had a big dome. So he used that very well, very well in that fight. Um I, I I I can count at least five times he hit, but I mean, and you know that was a result of a lot of a lot of things during that fight, and you know it was just a thing that happened. You know I I I really I really you know would love that rematch to get that off my name, but you know we know that it can't happen because we retired, but we all know what happened. My team know what happened, and. We just, you know, look past and then try to do better. And obviously you say there, you know, that was a rematch that you would have wanted. There was a rematch clause in the contract originally, but it never actually ended up coming to fruition. What actually happened there? Why did the rematch never take place? Uh, I couldn't tell you why the rematch didn't happen, uh, but I would have loved to have, have made it, but it didn't happen. So um, I didn't sweat about it. Um, he wasn't too interested either. You know, he wanted to take that take their sloppy um, win and go do something else, I guess. And obviously after that, you, you fought at 140 for the last time. You beat Lucas Matisse in that in that fight there. And obviously Lucas Matisse, even to this day, he's still a contender. He's still a man that can put people to sleep with, with just one punch, really. What a win that was for yourself at the time, Devin, as well. 
Well, after my first loss, people were, you know, pretty upset. People were, you know, down down my skills, down my my level of expertise. So I had to go out and make a statement and go out there and find a tough guy like me to show them I'm still a real deal and I'm still one of the best at 140. So that's why we took that challenge. That's why we took a tougher challenge after I lost. You know, usually people try to take a tune-up. People want to take, um, you know, a couple lesser opponents, then try to go back and fight a tough fight. But not me. I want to go right back in there and show people that I'm still here. I'm, I ain't going nowhere, and I'm still one of the best. And of course, after that, you you made the move up to 147. Um, after that, you took on another Argentinian. This time, of course, Mr. Marcos Maidana, Chino Maidana. Now, you beat him very convincingly over the distance. It was a shutout win for you that night. And just to add to that as well, nobody has ever fought Maidana and beat him without Maidana winning a single round. Even Floyd Mayweather couldn't do what you did in two fights with Maidana. That was a great win for you as well, Devon. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I try to tell people that I that I'm a skillful fighter. Um and people see that when they get in the ring with me. You know, you can tell Madonna took me lightly, he thought he was just gonna come in there and just I'll work me, I'll do me, but that didn't happen. So, um, that was a brilliant performance that I put on. Um, you know, no nobody was able to dominate dominate Madonna like I did. Nobody. That's why I tell people I believe in my skills. When I'm 100% in the ring, nobody can beat me because my skills are impeccable. And then, of course, you took on Randall Bailey for his IBF welterweight world title. You beat him over 12 rounds unanimously. What do you remember from that fight, Devin? Another great win. So many. That that fight, you know, as you know, he's a, he's a uh, one-punch um, knockout orders, so we had to be smart in that fight. We had to do what we had to do. Um, even though the, the the people were saying it was a lackluster fight, um, I had to be smart. Um, I had to, you know, use my street savvy, I mean, not my, the ring savvy to, you know, get the victory and come out there with IBF belt, and that's what I did, you know, the, the fight. There's no reason that, you know, fight dumb. You want to fight smart and do what you have to do to get the victory. And then after that, I remember you took on Britain's very own Lee Purdy, obviously. You know, Lee Purdy kind of jumped in a little bit. A little bit of a, of a I think he was a, a bit of a late replacement. I mean, you, you, beat the, you beat the hell out of him, really. After that fight, obviously, you took on Sean Porter. And that was where you lost your IBF world title unanimously over 12 rounds. Since then, of course... You've had three more fights, well, four more fights now, but three more fights just before we get on to your latest one. Obviously, a win over um, Jesus Soto Carras and two losses, um, one against Amir Khan in December of 2014 and one um, most previously to your last fight against Aaron Martinez in October 2016, where in all due respect to Aaron, Aaron Martinez and yourself, uh, you know... You, you you shouldn't really be getting beat by fighters like that. I think that you know that. It didn't seem like, it didn't seem like the Devon that we know in those fights. It's, 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 it, you don't you don't have to say that. You know, it was you, your your statement is absolutely correct. Don't no way in hell, there's no way in hell I supposed to lose to nobody like that. Not with the skill level that I am, the 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 range savvy that I am. There's no way I supposed to lose to people. Um, like I did to Aaron Martinez. No way, no way. And 
you know, something had to be wrong. And and I, I would love, I would love to revisit that to get that off my name as well because people that know me knows me. That's not, that wasn't me or my best performance. So people know I'm way better than that. And I would love to get that off. And also, Devon, obviously, just sort of going back a little bit again, obviously, you know, the loss to Sean Porter, the loss to Amir Khan, a lot of people at that point of your career thought that, you know, you were on the slide, you were kind of over the hill, you were past your best. I don't think it was so much that. I mean, I'm going to talk about your your most recent performance in a moment, but I kind of think that, I don't know, it just didn't look really like yourself. You, it's almost as if you your head wasn't really in there. Can you just talk about the loss to, to Khan and it, Porter? It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Um, you know, those are the, that was around a time that I was, you know, not really 100% of myself. I was more like 40 or 50% of myself. So they wasn't even getting the best of me when they, when, when I did get in there. You know, they they got the lesser of me, and they and they still wasn't able to dominate me. But all in all, they still got the win. But they did not get what they were supposed to get. That my performances was definitely lackluster, and it definitely wasn't me. You know, people that know me knows when I come in 100, percent it's going to be a tough fight for anybody. And when you say there that you was at like 40, 50 percent of your normal self, what what caused you know, such a slip. Well, it was it was the start of my, you know, thing I was going through at that time or what I've been going through for the last couple of years. So that was that was the beginning of that. That was the result of that. You know, I was, you know, doing that more and more and you can see that. And obviously you've just um, just last week, returned to the ring. You'd been out of the ring for just over two whole years. Why the long layoff, Devin? You just touched on it a little bit there, but what what made you? Well, what kept you out of the ring for so long? And also, please walk us through this fight against Walter Castillo. Obviously, similar records on paper between you both, but the class from yourself was clear. There was there was a real depth in class between yourselves last Tuesday. Well, um, the last few years have been totally, totally. Um, I've been through a journey. A journey that I thought I would never go through, and um, God has took me through a journey that that I needed to go through. Um, I was going down a path that I know I shouldn't be going down. Um, you know, it all started two years. No, 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 three, three years ago. It all started three years ago, and you know, the the addiction, the the opioid addiction is definitely real. You know, and it, it's is taking over a lot of lives. And the two years that I that I stayed away, I wanted to correct my problem. You know, so what I did was I went to rehab for about eight months. Um I made sure that, you know, the reason that I was off um for two years, I wanted to make sure when I came back that I was hundred percent Devin Alexander. I wanna I want that person that you guys were sending in the ring that was not giving his all, not giving his best, not giving the fans what they deserve. So that's what took me so long. That's why I stayed away. I wanted to make sure I wanted to be physically, mentally strong. I wanted to be right because this is my career and I want my career to be like, I want it, I want it to blossom. I don't want it to be filling. And I want, when I come back, I want it to be fruitful. So 
that's that's what happened. That's that's where I was at for these last two years. Um, I didn't want to come back too soon. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to be 100% sure, physically, mentally, and emotionally, myself. And as you can see, Tuesday night, I was at. And Devin, you you said just there, just a little, a tiny little bit misunderstood what you said. You said you was in rehab for what? Sorry. Uh, I was in rehab for an opioid problem. What's that? Sorry, for, forgive my ignorance. It was uh, um, I was uh, taking too many, and it was affecting my performances. Right, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. And obviously, you know, you came back at welterweight. A lot of people, I've only seen a few clips of the fight. I'm going to hold my hands up, but a lot of people were telling me that you didn't really appear like um you know two years ring rusty you seem really sharp in there um obviously you know you've kept the weight down you've returned at welterweight will that be the weight you'll be fighting at for the foreseeable future as well Devin? absolutely absolutely you know people say that they didn't see any ring rush but i think i you know i, I needed a couple rounds to get my legs under me um just to you know feel myself out because it's been two years and then I think probably about the fifth or the sixth round, I, I got the feeling, you know, real good. And um, I got my legs under me. And then I start to take off. But, um, you know, it took, a, it took a few rounds to get to get going. But 147 is the way that I'll be at. For the duration of my career, unless something drastic happen, and um, I got to move up and fight somebody at 154. And what are you making of the current, um, you know, crop of fighters in the division right now, 147? Obviously, you know, Keith Furman's really excelled as a fighter now. You've got um, Errol Spence coming through, everybody um, really high on him. Kel Brook looks like he may be moving up to 154. But what do you, what do you make of the whole division right now? While you've been away, everybody's really been improving. Well, um, that, that's, that's good for them. But I, I, I didn't like seeing it because I'm I'm one of the top guys in 147. Um, just seeing it, you know, knowing that I'm supposed to be in those positions, um, I'm supposed to begin to love that they're getting. It was it was just hard to watch. Happy for them, but I, I didn't like to see it at all because I know I I got just as much skill as them or even more. So. Um, you know, I, I I see myself as having a big 2018, and you know I don't care who who I fight or what I fight. You know, as long as my hand is raised at the end of the night, that's all that matters. And Devin, if you were, to, if I was to ask you who who you believe is you know maybe the the, the top two or three fighters right now at 147, taking yourself out of it, who do you see as the top guys at 147 at the moment? I don't. I don't consider nobody at welterweight the top guy because nobody has taken that position. You know, they've won some credible fights, which I have. They've won some, you know, notable fights, but nobody has taken off at the 147 division and say and and for them to say um, they're the next Floyd Mayweather at at the welterweight game. Then no nobody has done that. So there is no top. 147, top three, you know, it's up for grabs. In my opinion, it's up for grabs because people, you know, still, any any one of those guys can be beat any any day. Any any day, any one of those guys can be beat because, you know, I see flaws in all the guys that they say supposedly supposed to be at, be at the top of the 147 division. So, 
It doesn't matter. It, I mean, I, I don't have no top. Yeah, I mean, if I was three at one forty-seven. Yeah, if I was pushed to say number one, I think I'd probably, I'd probably say Furman just because of you know purely because of his wins over Porter and Garcia recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's 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 my point. Uh, that's my point. You know, they they've had some notable wins, and I don't want to take that away from them. You know, I had some notable wins. Um, it's just lately they had a couple of notable wins in me. And my feeling is, you know, any day, you know, somebody with skill and finesse like me can beat them any day because they got flaws. Okay. And obviously, you know, you've returned to the ring now. You've you've shook the ring rust off. I don't think you will be fighting again by the end of the year. I believe you'll probably be back in 2018. Um, how active will you be next year, Devon? Will we see you in the ring a lot more often, I'm sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just being away from the game has re- rejuvenated me, re-energized me, and it has, you know, made me see a lot of things that I've been doing in my career that I need to improve on, and it just it just t- just showed me that I need to, you know, get back in the game, get back focused, and just, you know, take this thing over because, like I said, 147 is wide open. It's a... It's a Stack division, and I gotta be ready for whoever they come with. I'm looking to fight again in the end of January. That's that's the plan. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, I was gonna. That was gonna be my next question. Do you, do you know when you're next out? So that's it's good to hear that. So hopefully the end of January. I know that obviously you know you're you're probably gonna have a couple of. I don't want to say low-level fights, but a couple of you know these fights to kind of project you back into the picture. Is there anybody though that you've got your eye on in the long term? Is there anybody that you'd like to fight? Is there any names that you want to throw at me that you'd like to to, to face maybe at the back end of yeah. next year? Yeah, I would like to fight um, Garcia. I think um, that'd be a good fight for me. Um, I like he's that. very limited. Um, you know he. My skills would will definitely give him troubles. Um, so I would I would say Garcia, um, Thurman would be good too. Um, no, neither one of those guys can fall to softball. It just skills me. Who's who's smart and ring savvy, and got pop. So um, either one of those guys would be perfect. Either one. But is Garcia the number one man at the moment? I wouldn't say number one. He's just somebody I would. If if they say this is him, that'll be him. Okie dokie, okie dokie. And coming down to the final last couple of questions now before I let you go, Devin, I want to ask you, obviously, you know, you've had so many great moments in your career, obviously amateur and pro, you know, the world titles, the big fights. What would you say is the best moment of your whole career so far? It, it, it was, the best moment of my career has to be when I won my first world title. It's the best, the best feeling in the world. It has to be the it's the most significant thing that I can do as a professional is win a world title. Nobody can take that away from me. Nobody. That's in the history books. Nobody can take that away. So that has to be the most significant thing I did in my professional career. And also the sentimental thing that it brought to you as well. Again, as you said earlier, you know about your father and you kept that promise. Yes, yes. That has to be. That has to be the most significant thing because it has so many meanings to to that you know for all the struggles you know all the blood sweat and tears came down to that moment so that 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 moment was the best of my career 
and I like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from overseas. Devon, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but I know that you know your boxing. Who would you say, our listeners like to like to know the answer to this one, who would you say is your favourite UK fighter from any era? <laughs> it can be from years uh, ago, it can, be, it can be someone who's still boxing now. Who Who, who is your favourite UK fighter? I, I, I like Lennox Lewis and I like Joe Calzaki. Yeah. I, I like both of those. I like I like both of those guys. Yeah, those those are popular. Yeah, yeah, those are two guys that I I like to see fight, and they bring their best. So I like Kawasaki because he's a softball just like me, and I like the way he moves and throws his hands. So that's just good. And Lennox, he's always been a class act guy, and I like. Absolutely. Like I say, they're two very popular answers, two great fighters. And finally, Devon, I just want to really give you a chance to, to, to kind of say anything that you want to say just to our listeners. You may have a message for your UK fans. You may have a message about completely anything. Just take it away. Say what you like just before we let you go. Mm, well, to all my fans, to all my all the people that's listening, for, to all my fans in the UK, to all the people overseas, I want to thank you guys for always supporting me and continuing to support me. This is the next chapter of my career, and I hope you guys continue to follow it and continue to um, um, follow my journey as I embark on another world title, which I will be getting soon. Trust and believe. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Devon, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. We look forward to seeing you being much more active in the ring next year. Best of luck to you, and we will speak again very soon. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for having me on. Okay, and this wraps up episode 111 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Mariam has been with me for the duration of the show. In case you were wondering, Devin Alexander's reason for going into rehab was because of his addiction to a painkiller called opioid, which I failed to understand a couple of times, so my bad on that. The Prediction League currently stands at myself on 14. I'm really lacking behind. Ayers is on 16, and you, the listeners, are on 18. There's only one point up for grabs this weekend. It's, of course, the Cotto and Ali fight. I'm going with Cotto on points. Ayaz has also let me know he's going with Cotto on points. You, the listeners, are going with Cotto by knockout. So best of luck to everybody involved. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show. Another two world champions, the current IBF featherweight king, Lee Selby, and the former two-weight ruler, Devon Alexander. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to the listeners that tune in every single week. Thank you so much for that. It's really, really appreciated. Please keep following, please keep retweeting, liking, favouriting, sharing and the rest. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening.